Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Scott Dunn is a multi-award-winning luxury tour operator that has recently been included in the Condé Nast Traveller list of top travel specialists for being an expert in family holidays. Specialising in tailor-made family travel for over 30 years, their travel specialists visit all the places they offer, so know the properties in the local area inside out. Whether you're looking for a kids' club with a range of exciting activities or a great family adventure, their tailor-made approach means that they can create the perfect holiday for you and your family. Scott Dunn Explorers Kids Clubs for children aged four months to 11 years operate across the Mediterranean, the Alps, the Maldives, and most recently Mauritius. They are all run by teams of experienced childcare professionals and offer exciting daily activities. Their clubs are split into four age groups to ensure your children take part in age-appropriate activities, and the child-to-nanny ratios are some of the best in the industry. Your little ones will have the opportunity to learn new skills, explore the local culture, and make new friends along the way, whilst you take Take a well-earned rest. Scott Dunn is offering all the Parenthood listeners £500 off any Scott Dunn Explorers Kids Club holiday. To find out more, please call and quote The Parenthood. Terms and conditions apply. Please see scottdunn.com forward slash family for more information. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. My guest today promises a lot. Her book is entitled Get Your Kids to Eat Anything, a statement that I have utterly failed at. She acknowledges that this is an easy thing to achieve, but insists that if rather than making the familiar the norm, serving the same meals consistently, you make new the norm and actually stick with it, your children over time will become more adventurous and thank you for the taste journey you've taken them on. Stressed with the fussiness of her autistic son, Emily writes about her realisation. If from day to day his food varied so much that he never had the chance to get set in his ways, then trying something unfamiliar would become expected and therefore comfortable. Emily, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. Um, I think fussy eaters is one of the sort of banes of most parents' life. I mean, I, it stresses me out so much because I love food. I love cooking. I like being adventurous in the kitchen. And often I think, oh, I'll really spoil them. I'm going to cook them something delicious from scratch. And I make yeah. all this effort and I put a lot of expectation on it. And then they're like, yeah, I don't like cook carrots or I don't like whatever it is Mm -hmm. and it turns this sort of meal that was meant to be really lovely and fun into something that's really stressful and negative for all of us yeah and I think that's so common and actually it's one of the reasons that I really didn't want fussy eaters on the cover 
even though you know obviously that's immediately what people think when they see it but because fussy eaters sounds like quite a small subset you know is your child a fussy eater therefore there's a problem but actually most children are fussy eaters most children are set in their ways a lot of adults are too and when you're a busy family you know chances are you've got a small number of recipes that you know everyone will eat so you just make them over and over again yeah i mean why are children such fussy eaters because they are generally more fussy than adults is it that adults are politer or is there a sort of biological reason that children are fussy eaters i think it's a combination of things so obviously when children are small they've got really sensitive taste buds and they haven't quite developed yet and you know all textures are new to them and they develop a kind of fairly natural fear of the new so that's called neophobia and it's quite normal I mean it's actually kind of a safety mechanism because it means children won't kind of wander into the garden grab some random berries and think these will be fine and shove them in their mouth so hooray for that <laughs> um and I think we are slightly kind of protective of them as well so we're kind of we're oh, not ready for that food yet but here's this cut a safe way which again is great and we don't want them to choke but I think slowly but surely they get very comfortable not trying anything new and then there might be one vegetable that they really like so say they love their carrot sticks or they love their broccoli so we're kind of thinking yes we can get vegetables into them as long as we serve the broccoli so you put the broccoli on their plate every day and then all of a sudden it seems like they will no longer eat it but really, as adults, if we were given broccoli every single day, we would get sick of it too. So that kind of boredom paired with that kind of neophobia ends up narrowing and narrowing and narrowing what they will eat until, you know, I get parents emailing me saying my kids will only eat yogurt and maybe some potato. So, you know, and I'm thinking, well, this is actually pretty common. I hear this a lot. So, yeah, that's that's kind of, I think that's what's behind it. So, interestingly, so as parents, you know, you think by serving the same meal, the kind of the firm favourite, you're making your life easier. Actually, in the long term, you're making your life harder because you're cultivating potentially a, a boredom with the food that they will eat and making them more fussy yeah and I think also kids love giving us a bit of a shake-up don't they so they love saying no you say let's go to the park and all of a sudden they don't like the park <laughs> what I don't know what to do now and it's the same with food you know there's a lot of power in saying actually I no longer like this pasta to their mum or dad and I think a really good example of that is and I hear this a lot as well kids who will eat everything at nursery or with the nanny or, or au pair and then they'll come home and they will eat nothing. And, you know, these parents are kind of opening the, the dinner list of what they've had at nursery that week and thinking, hang on a minute, fish pie, curry, like, you know, they're only eating plain pasta at home. So there is that power as well of being able to kind of wind up your parents. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my children, there's definitely the sort of firm favourites. They have quite sort of simple palates, let's say. And, but they're not unhealthy. You know, firm favourite is like just chicken and pasta with like a bit of stock as a sauce. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not unhealthy per se, and they eat whole wheat pasta. And part of me thinks, well, if it's healthy and they eat fruit and vegetables, is it that bad? Um, is it? How important is it that they're not fussy? No, I mean, if they're eating some vegetables and some protein and some carbohydrates and so forth, then they're probably fine. And I think as parents, one of the easiest things to do is to panic and get stressed. And then we communicate that stress to our children by that kind of gritted teeth. Please eat it, darling, just one bite. <laughs> um, and there's that kind of, you know, crying after they've gone to sleep moment. And actually, if you're in a comfortable position in terms of what you're serving and it's working for you, then no, it doesn't matter that much but if it's getting narrower and narrower and you find it hard to take them to restaurants if it's really tough on holiday and if meal times are just becoming sort of stressful and not hugely happy then this book instead of going 
being a guilt trip and saying, you know, you must make your children eat every single vegetable under the sun and you must change that today. It's a really gentle program that kind of introduces lots of different flavors over time with activities as well as recipes. So that by the end of it, you can kind of throw open the fridge and think, right, I've got some green beans, I've got some chicken, I've got some rice, I'm going to make a quick stir fry. It's going to be lovely and I'm not going to have a battle at the dinner table. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So how can we make them more adventurous? Because I definitely, you know, you talked about how children, they like to mix it up. They like to, when they come home, just make sure that they're in control. Mm -hmm. They can be really difficult to change, more difficult than, you know, difficult to reason with, more difficult than grown-ups. What can we do to make them? What's the answer? So I think absolutely crucial is to build their relationship with food so that it's kind of normal to try out different textures so that might not necessarily be getting them to taste them in the first instance you know it might be things like just helping with the shopping and maybe having a sniff of the different fruits in the aisle as long as they're not snotty like my children often are um you know and i'm helping you kind of sort out the different vegetables maybe peeling helping with cooking you know if there's a a vegetable or any kind of food stuff that they really don't want to eat just encouraging maybe to play with it with their fingers maybe you know help you prepare it in some way because it's all building up that relationship but strangely often kids whose parents consider them fussy I'll then get the parents emailing me saying rather than starting at the beginning where the recipes are less challenging my kid jumped straight to the crazy recipe right at the end of the book and wanted to make that and ate it all and I don't understand it and I'm amazed and it's because it's the recipes by that stage are so irreverent that they've appealed to the kind of the, the creativity and the kind of the breaking the rules part of a child's imagination. And really, that's what the book's about. It's about rather than kind of hiding vegetables and guilting them into eating, it's about getting them excited about food. And you've talked about um, this idea that children are very often scared of new. They like the familiar. Mm-hmm. And so they will always choose the meal that they've had before. You know, how often have I been to a restaurant with my kids where there's an amazing menu and they'll eat pasta with some cheese and butter on? And I'm yeah. like, guys, please. <laughs> um, how important is that reframing of what new is? I think it's kind of at the core. So you've got... You've got this thing where, you know, you're, the way that you perceive fish as a young child is that it's always white, it's always in a long kind of rectangular shape, and it always has orange breadcrumbs. And that in your head is what fish should look like. So if you're told in a restaurant that you're going to have fish and chips and they bring you out some kind of unbreaded salmon, for example, then that's setting off all of the sirens kind of, this is wrong, this is wrong. But if you've seen lots of different fish um, and you understand that fish is a broader term, you can still have your favourites. And, you know, I'm not adverse to a chicken nugget, but you also are less shocked, less worried and therefore more open to trying different things. So you keep that going on a regular basis, because what we tend to do as parents is we kind of have a go at getting them to be adventurous. It fails spectacularly. And then we reverse and go, okay, back to another week of safe meals. And then we might try again. Um, And kids are absolutely onto you really quickly. I just need to hold out and we'll go back to the old favorites. So you've got to stick with it. And it is it is a bit of a journey. So you're not going to pick up this book and or, you know, order it online. As soon as it drops to your letterbox, your children turn into little perfect angels that eat everything you give them. It takes some work, about 10 weeks, I'd say. And from that point on, you're kind of, you're sort of free to be creative with food. And that doesn't mean cooking something brand new every single day for the rest of your life. But it just means doing the kind of things that you would do as adults for yourself. Like, oh, I think I'll throw a bit of curry powder in today. Oh, I'd normally use pasta for this, but I've only got rice, so I'll make it a bit differently and not have your kids go, what is this? 
I, I like the way that, you know, you acknowledge now that it's not a sort of sudden thing. You talk about five steps. Mm-hmm. Um, what are those five steps? Okay, so this is tried and tested with my own kids, but also um, with lots of friends' kids as well. Um, and you start off by putting a little bit of the unfamiliar into the familiar. So that's things like fish and chips, but with a bit of curry spice in the bread that you put on the outside of the fish. Or it's a pizza, but you put tiny bits of unusual vegetables on and you do them in kind of a rainbow design to kind of win them over a little bit. So it starts off there, kind of all the family favourites that are already likely to be on your menu, but a little bit more adventurous. Um, And then... Within that, there are also kind of food discovery activities and challenges, like going to the supermarket for a bit of a hunt. Which none of us do nowadays. I mean, my kids have been to a supermarket, I think, three times in their life because online deliveries the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's very easy to fall into that habit. And actually, when I was writing the next phase, which is educate, where you kind of get them a little bit more in touch with their food, I realised exactly that, that we don't often actually kind of get kids involved physically with food anymore because we don't need to and we're busy and it's half an hour between getting home from work and you know getting them fed and having at least a little bit of time with them before we pack them off to bed um so yes so the educate phase is all about kind of finding ways to explore food um having kind of tactile games and that kind of thing going out to supermarkets and the recipes um use some of the things that you would have gathered as part of the activities Um, And one of the things is to grow your own herb pots. But I'm realistic about this and realise that children don't cope well with gratification that takes a while. So you go and buy the already grown herb pots from the supermarket. You you can repot them a little bit if you want, put their names on it, and then those plants become theirs. Theirs to water, theirs to check on. You know, if you're making a spaghetti bolognese and you need some basil, then it's your child's job to go and, and snip some basil off. Um, and so they're starting to build a relationship with food. So that's the kind of recipes you get in that section. So if you've been kind of strawberry picking, it's a strawberry bake, that kind of thing. Um, and then the next phase is fun, which is my favourite one. Um, and this is where you kind of tap into the fact that kids love kind of exploring with colour and texture. But it's more than just it's got a smiley face on it. So hopefully now my child will eat it. It's kind of about letting children be adventurous. So, for example, there's a risotto, quite an inoffensive one. It doesn't have any super strong tastes, but it's bright red thanks to beetroot. And again, it's not about hiding it and kind of going, oh, it's just bright red because it's fun. It's kind of saying, okay, kids, this is beetroot. You know, let's have a play with it. Let's see how it dyes our fingers. Let's see what happens to our food and really having fun with it. And then the next phase um, is about really uh, pushing the boundaries, so going right into the unknown. And this is where we have one of my favourite um, activities, which is a kind of fridge roulette. So fun. Really fun as well if you've got slightly old, older children that can stitch up their parents. <laughs> so you go and get little bits of everything that's in the fridge. So you might have some pilchards in there, custard, jam, cheese, whatever you've got, anything that's kind of safe to eat straight out of the fridge. And you cut up some little blocks And then you can do it with dice or you can point with your eyes closed. But you essentially have to try two of any combination. Together. Yeah. So you (laughs) might get kind of a raspberry and cheese, which would probably be fine. But you might get pilchards and custard. Yeah. Um, And obviously, you know, kids will go for the easier ones. But again, it's just about taking away that fear of food and making it into something fun and potentially discovering some new combinations. So out of playing that with my children came what most people say is the weirdest recipe in the book, which is strawberries and cream pasta. Which I assure you is lovely. Um, I did see that and I was like, really? (laughs) Pudding in pasta? I think the name is kind of deliberately slightly... "Mm." 
Um, because by this phase, this is phase four, I want even parents to be going, hang on, we're just getting weird now. Um, but it's actually, you chop up some strawberries, put some balsamic glaze on them, um, because vinegar is great for bringing out flavour and we don't use it enough. Um, whack them in the oven to go all kind of cooked down bubbling uh, with a bit of black pepper and then you cook up your pasta you make a really basic white sauce with your you know butter flour and milk you blitz some boiled butternut squash into the uh, the sauce which makes it super flavorful you mix a pasta into the white sauce and then you put the strawberries on top and this is the one that people email me about saying hang on my kids went straight to this recipe and ate the lot I don't understand what's happening to my fussy child and it, it even surprised me because I thought this was something you'd kind of get to at week like eight or nine but I think kids just love how ridiculous it is so like okay bring it on <laughs> um, which is amazing um so yeah there, there's kind of some weird ones like that and I have had a couple of people kind of flick straight to those pages and go well these aren't kid-friendly recipes and you know my fussy eater wouldn't eat strawberries with pasta like, no not straight off the bat but they might they might surprise you uh, and then the final phase um it's all about cementing variety so what I didn't want to do is give everybody kind of 70 recipes and then say goodbye and good luck um, I wanted to give people some creative skills to know how to turn recipes into something different no matter what's in the fridge and what's in the cupboard without it being this huge effort so I kind of broke all the rules of recipe writing um, and made it much more easy and much less kind of elusive than you might think and just said right this is how I break down a recipe and rebuild it when I'm writing for a brand or for my book or anything like this and you can do it too and then there's a set of recipes in there that you can kind of play with for yourself. So whether it's bread or salad or anything like that. But really, I don't want to make food more effort for parents. I want to make it easier. Because I think that's one of the problems with recipes is that, you know, very often you're like, oh, that looks delicious. But then you realise that you don't have half the ingredients. Mm-hmm. But what you don't realise is that you could actually substitute them for what you've got as long as you've got a sort of appropriate things it's not the end of the world if you see a, a pasta dish and you think oh, i don't have any pastas but I'll have, we can have it with potatoes or we could have it with you know, rice noodles or we could you know there is a sort of element of of chopping and changing that just is an inevitable part of making life a bit easier for parents yes that's it and I think once you realize that and you feel more comfortable doing it and the kids are on board then life is in general much easier and so I've tried to put at least one sometimes more um, tips at the end of each recipe that will say this recipe will also work with chicken or if you had fun dyeing your risotto with beetroot what else might you color with beetroot so I'm trying to kind of make it much more relaxed than a lot of books which will kind of say you know exactly this much and do not change or deviate um most of the things in there are really 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 simple with a couple that take a bit more time such as the focaccia you've got to let it prove but that's kind of a weekend job with the kids you know in between board games or whatever on a rainy day you can be kind of shoving bread in the cupboard um yes and everything's available from the supermarket and it's all kind of stuff that you can buy and then will last you a long time like big bag of red lentils can go in all sorts of things. So you're not going to end up with lots of weird ingredients that you'll only use once. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I mean, uh, how you've just described it to me is sounds kind of doable, sounds manageable. I think, oh, why have I... Why have I taken so long to to realize this but how easy is it actually to do to I just know the sort of realities of life when life is busy as a parent mm-hmm. and sometimes you just want to get them fed and back to bed because you've got homework and you've got school clubs and you've got projects and all yeah. the rest of it and then you want a little bit of a life yourself how easy is it to do this I think it is akin to um, potty training or when you first put the baby into a toddler bed and they realise they can come through all night and it gets to about the hundredth time and you think, why did we change to the toddler bed? Um, and you know in your heart, whether it's your potty training or anything like that, you know that there's going to be a hellish few nights or you know a hellish few days of them weeing on the floor, but then they will start to get it and life will be better because you went through that. Um, and it's similar with this. You, kind of, you have to put a lot of work in at the start. You do. Um, but then life is easier as a result. Um, and even if they regress, and you know, much as children do with suddenly getting up in the night again or you know, suddenly having accidents, they will get back to a point where they're kind of more willing to try different foods much quicker than they did the first time. So, you know, you might just have a complete relax on holiday and just think, I don't care if they live on ice cream. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's not something to worry about. We're just looking for ways for us all to be able to enjoy food more together. And I mean, is there ever a situation where you just you do give up because they're just not eating? I mean, they've obviously got to eat. What's your policy? I mean, around if they just simply refuse to eat something that you've created lovingly do you offer them an alternative or do you say well it's either that or nothing so what I tend to do is put things that they will eat and things that they maybe won't on the plate at the same time we have a um, no plate without veg rule in our house so and it's annoying because sometimes I would just like a bowl of spaghetti hoops because I've had a long day (laughs) but I have to set an example so I try and shove some salad on there as well um yeah and then they might eat parts and they might kind of poke at others um but we're not going to get to the point where I'm saying kind of eat it or starve. And I think that's really important because we want it to be about slowly adapting to eating more foods, not a battle, not this kind of standoff, kind of you will sit there until midnight if that's what it takes. We want it to be easy and happy and for them to be excited about it. So, yeah, I tend to put a little mix. And then, you know, if they've only had quarter of a bite of my beautifully made lasagna I will make it again or or actually I'm a terrible batch cook I just get completely carried away and make about six at once so they will definitely get it again (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's what I try to do I wouldn't really advocate anything that kind of associates punishment or guilt or frustration with food because we're not trying to create new problems we're trying to solve relatively solvable ones and actually children it sort of makes so much sense because children are so acutely aware of stress aren't they even babies Mm. are and I guess bringing your own stress to the table and frustration that they're being a bit fussy about it is only going to worsen the situation it's got to to improve improve it in any way yeah and I think you know we're so hard on ourselves as parents so we're absolutely aware of the things of the examples we've set that are bad so thinking oh god they saw me stressed or you know they saw me do this or you know they saw me fling my phone down after a work call looking a bit cross but we don't think 
think we don't give ourselves the kind of positive side of you know they they see me holding a house together they see me holding a job together they see me doing all of these great things and aren't I setting a great example and we're just not kind to ourselves enough and you know if you're sitting there of an evening with the kids and you're eating vegetables and you're enjoying being adventurous with food and you're talking to your kids and your partner about how lovely the food is that's setting a great example and it might not change overnight children have different tastes there might always be certain things they don't like I mean there will be there's certain things I don't like I remember when I was little hating the taste of coriander I was like tastes like metal it's disgusting and now I'm obsessed with it it's my favorite herb and this is the thing I was a very a very fussy eater and you know I kind of went to uni and realized that a girl cannot live on plain pasta alone Um, you know sometimes tastes do develop and change all by themselves so you know if you just don't really want to tackle it and you don't think it's a huge issue in your family that's fine but if you would like to tackle it then here's an easy way to do so I would hate to ever be considered preachy yeah because that's you know part of the thing I just remember my sister was a really fussy eater I mean literally people get worried about her because she wouldn't eat anything apart from she loved lemons capers like all these kind of bitter things she hated cream and cheese and milk and any of that stuff and she's now a really adventurous eater she Mm -hmm. just needed her time to be sort of slightly quirky and not have this kind of big confrontation every time we sat down to eat um and then she sort of slowly worked out that food was delicious yeah and I think you know kids are being adventurous but just not in the way you'd like then probably don't actually have that much to worry about um so one of the things I realized when I was writing is that kids are actually adventurous as toddlers and we kind of rein it in a little bit so they've got like their cheesy what's when you get one of those little you know the um like the lunch packs that you get in cafes and things when you go to the zoo there's kind of a million pounds for a tiny tiny sandwich um they've got their kind of cheesy wiggle and they've got their strawberry yogurt and they dip one in the other you go what are you doing that's disgusting but actually that's great because they're exploring two textures that you wouldn't necessarily put together they're exploring very unusual flavor combinations and they're doing it fearlessly so you know for for those parents with little ones i think you know if i could go back to when mine was smaller i would be going that's amazing how does it taste because actually if we can embrace that adventurousness from the beginning must make everything easier it's so funny because i remember my nephew we were sitting in a cafe and he was dipping olives into his hot chocolate my sister and i were like (laughs) oh my god that's so gross can you believe it but you're right we should have just been like wow what a great adventurous child and just celebrated that willingness to try new flavors just because we don't like the idea of it doesn't mean it's not good yeah exactly and I think you know that that is still there that adventurousness is still there even in even in most fussy children you know they, they still have that willingness to explore you know they would absolutely love it if you let them out into the park and let them just shove things in their mouth off the floor because that's how kids love to be when they're small or you know if you just said you can smash anything you like in the house they'd probably be like hooray um, <laughs> so you know to actually embrace and permit them to be really adventurous with food once they realize that they don't need to be scared of it they love it they really do one of the things i struggle with the most is that my ch- both my children have quite different tastes and then when i have my niece and nephew over to stay there's two more people in the mix and it's quite rare unless i go back to the sort of really basic chicken pasta to cook one thing that they're all going to eat like for example my daughter loves meat and red meat mm-hmm. and my son hates meat and he'd much rather have lentils how do you, I mean, I, I, I have to acknowledge that different people have different tastes. Absolutely. But at the same time, I don't want to be cooking bespoke meals for my kids. That's just, I don't think that's a very healthy way to be. And I also think there's an element of, 
you're, you're, you're slightly grateful for what is in front of you, even if it's not. Yeah. You know, the new thing is to say, I've told them that it's really rude to say I don't like this. So they go, it's not my favorite thing. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't care if it's your favorite thing. I have cooked it and you'll believe I'm going to eat it, even if it's not your favorite thing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, actually, I, before I'd written the book, we went to Jamaica and um, I was on a press trip. So the kids were kind of in tow, but my job was to go to some of the more kind of off the beaten track restaurants and kind of up in the mountains and things and meet the chefs and really kind of learn about the culture, which is brilliant. But obviously after the chefs come out and kind of shown you their home and cooked you this beautiful food, you don't then want two kids going, don't like it. What's ackee? What's breadfruit? Get it away from me. So I kind of said to them, look, you've just got to try it you've just got to show willing and then if you're not really keen just kind of leave it it's okay there's still food left on your plate um, and when we get home we're back to the hotel you know I'll, I'll get you something we'll find something um, and actually that was really useful because they started to realize that they don't have to love food to enjoy it and I think that's another thing that children they're kind of like but I love pizza pizza ticks every box you know or I just absolutely love you know this flaming steak crisps they're the best ones um, and you kind of you get the wrong crisps in their packet of you know lunch or whatever and they're like this is an outrage I couldn't possibly eat plain crisps and it's like well they're still edible it's just not your very favorite and so that was kind of one of the things I learned from being in Jamaica and the other thing was that once it kind of stepped over the line of trying it and they were in this social situation where there was a bit of kind of healthy peer pressure because everyone else was eating they were just eating because they might as well and it wasn't horrible and so they tried all of these new things and it did make me realize a little bit right with the right attitude and that kind of healthy encouragement they could be eating a lot more than they're eating at home and that was kind of the beginning of writing the book <laughs> I mean I obviously love the idea of cooking every meal from scratch I mean a new recipe is always harder the first time you do it because yes. you're sort of unsure what's next and I always find that I have to read it like six times before I can get my head around it um, but this isn't always easy for a mother that is juggling a lot of things you know mm -hmm. she's not necessarily going to have 45 minutes to create something every night how are the, do you have any tips to make this sort of a bit more achievable for the mother that's not necessarily got tons of time or father I think if you look at a recipe and it's not how you do it, apart from the couple of ideas that it's given you, make it your way. I am the least fussy <laughs> recipe writer in that way. If you look at the lentil bolognese and think, that's a great idea, but I would, um, I would make a sofrito because I like using celery or I would do this or I would do that or actually I would just use pasta sauce and wax and um, lentils in it. Do that. Absolutely fine. Make it easier for you. Um, also, you don't necessarily have to do a new recipe every day. So I've created it so that you could effectively do a new recipe every day, whether it's something quick for lunch or it's something more involved at the weekend. But you could, you could take a year to go through the book and just do it when you feel like it. And the rest of the time, just be kind of embracing the basic principles of, OK, once a week, I will drag them to the greengrocer or I'll just do something to kind of, you know, work my way through this. You know, it doesn't have to be a huge commitment. It can be absolutely realistic for you. That said, the majority of the recipes are super simple. So it's like, you know, French toast, which isn't going to be too difficult. And again, most people know how to make it. So quick read of the recipe and off you go. Um, but anything that you kind of think is too much, I would say push it to a weekend and then just do it as a family or if you really don't want the kids to help because that stresses you out, then kind of give them some random vegetables to scrub while you make it so they feel involved at least. Um, 
And do you find that children who get to stage five and they sort of graduate Mm -hmm. (laughs) your book, are they kind of cured and they'll then eat everything? Or do you need to continue sort of encouraging them to push their boundaries? Um, I think that it's good to always have it in mind from then on. Um, I think there will be some regression. um, But, I mean, children regress in almost every way possible. And certainly my daughter gets... um, recurrent throat infections and she gets croup which if you've ever heard is really dramatic it's not as it's not as serious as it sounds it sounds like they're going to die any minute um and she always regresses both emotionally and in terms of what she wants to eat because her throat has nearly swollen shut and it frightens her um so there's always going to be things that kind of make them regress in various ways and if that's food for your child then you know it's that case of kind of riding it out like we do with anything else but i tend to find as cliched as it is, that it's a bit like riding a bike. And if you haven't read it for a while, a bit wobbly when you first get on, but after 10 minutes, you're kind of straight back in there. It isn't like learning again for the first time. And what have you found? I mean, it sounds like you've trialed this, obviously, on your kids, your friends' kids, quite a lot of of people. Yeah. Have you found any ingredients or dishes or kind of combinations surprisingly popular? I mean, you talked about strawberry and cream pasta, which I'm definitely going to try out tomorrow, I think. Um, But is there anything else that you think, oh, my God, I'd never have thought lentils are a winner, but actually they are if you do them like this, or is it? it Yeah, I mean, it's quite funny because you obviously write things and you test them. And, you know, if you release a book, you know that, it's funny because some people are kind of like, this is just marketing. And I say, well, that wouldn't be a very good long-term plan, would it? Because the first few people would buy it, say it doesn't work. <laughs> and then that would be the end of my career. Um, so, But as much as you've tested things, it is absolutely heartwarming and a huge relief when people start sending you photos. Um, some of the most amazing things have just been that, you know, children with quite severe sensory issues, yeah, eating things like lentils and, you know, beans and spices and things that are a big challenge you know in terms of sensory input um you know and with their little thumbs up and holding the book and that is just gorgeous so yes I think that we too easily assume that any kind of spice is too much for kids anything kind of sharp like olives as you were saying um you know and we take a lot of our own childhood fussiness like a lot of people have said oh no mushrooms are too slimy for kids it's like well they're not slimy if you cook them right (laughs) so yeah I think it's just been gorgeous to see so many parents so happy that they can bring some of their own favorite foods onto their kids plate and enjoy it together that has yeah easily been the best part of bringing the book out (laughs) um I have to ask do you ever fall off the wagon and like oh just whatever today yeah absolutely so we have pizza on a friday night from the pizza man as they say um which is brilliant and and the kids currently opt for the very adventurous margarita both of them i think they're just having a night off they're like our mum can't tell us what to have on our pizza (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna have anything um and that's brilliant and it's our night off and we're not worried about balanced plates or anything we just you know it's great um yeah and there are times if we're on holiday um I really like experimenting with different foods and they're usually on board but sometimes um so we were at a food festival at the weekend because I was doing some cooking and my daughter had um a jackfruit burrito that was in like a jack daniels sauce but she wasn't drunk it was okay (laughs) Um, and I was like amazing she's so adventurous but then she had um churros and oreo ice cream 
for tea while we were still at the festival and I was thinking I am I'm a very balanced mother (laughs) but obviously the people who came to the later demos just saw this kid that I was saying eats everything just living on churros and ice cream and I think you know it's not about worrying about balance not about giving yourself a hard time Um, I tried to set a good example so when I was really busy um before I started writing the book, I, re- I would catch myself kind of saying, you've got to eat your vegetables, you've got to sit down at the table, no, don't take it to the TV. And I'd be standing there kind of eating a piece of toast while I tried to get the kitchen tidy. Um, and so I've kind of tried to knock that on the head as much as possible. But again, we cannot give ourselves a hard time. And, you know, modern parents are jugglers extraordinaire. So I wouldn't kind of throw myself in parent guilt jail just for being seen eating a piece of toast for tea. But I try to kind of set the best example I can. Yeah, most of the time, as best you can, I guess, is a good... Yeah, I think that's a good good ethos for parenting in general. (laughs) (laughs) You talk in the introduction of your book about how your son, you sort of had the realisation that he only ate orange food. Yeah. Um, How has turning your family from sort of fussy eaters into more adventurous eaters changed your whole family dynamic? Uh, It just makes, makes dinner time much easier. Um, I am constantly developing new recipes, both for the blog, um, the next book, um, you know, for all sorts of reasons. And being able to put them on the table and just know that it, they'll get eaten. Actually, often before I've even actually offered anybody, they'll just it'll just all start disappearing. Um, is lovely. It's so, it's such a weight off. Um, going out for meals, going on holiday, and that kind of thing. It's just much less stressful. And I'd like to, I'd like to think that the kids would never as stressed as I was behind closed doors about the fact that they turned down another beautiful meal that I'd made. Um, but now they eat them, so it saves money as well because there's nothing more frustrating than cooking something and no one will eat it. I end up eating it myself because I feel so guilty chucking it away. So basically I end up then eating two lunches and two dinners <laughs> and that's also not very good. <laughs> and also, yeah, the, um, the whole thing about having to prepare lots of different meals so that everybody's happy. And at one point I was creating one meal for Mark and I, one meal for my daughter, one meal for my son. And that is super common. So many parents tell me that. And it's actually the first thing I point out when I say, I don't have time to cook different meals all the time. I say, well, you currently have time to cook three different meals a night. So you probably do have more time than you think if everybody's willing to eat the same thing. Um, But I also do a lot of kind of putting options out on the table. So for example... We tend to do fajita night at least once a week. And we just whack loads of stuff on the table. You know, some grated cheese, different raw veg, tortillas, whatever cooked meat we happen to have done. And everybody seems to get a pretty good balance of whatever they want. And I'm not the kind of person who says, if there's no protein in this meal, then you've ruined your diet. You know, if, if one of my kids decides they just want a tortilla full of salad and cheese, that's fine. That's what they want for tea. That's what they want for tea. Um, so that might work well for you in terms of having a meat lover and a not so much. So you can make some kind of some slightly different fillings, which might just be something you've got left over in the fridge. Everybody's happy. And I do love those meals where you're kind of involved with your hands because it tends to keep the kids engaged, particularly at that age where they just want to run off and play again. If they're kind of flinging cheese and vegetables around, then they tend to actually stay at the table a bit longer. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm thinking now about going forward about doing exactly what you said. I think one of the hardest things, though, is that because I do all my like grocery shopping online you Mm. know it gives you the list of your favorites doesn't you and you end up just like clicking on those favorites and having basically the same old stuff in your fridge day in day out 
And I can see that, you know, whenever I go to a supermarket browsing their shelves, I actually end up spending way more money. Mm. But you're much more likely to pick up something that looks really good or is in season. Are there any tips if you are realistically not going to be able to change and actually go to a supermarket? Are there any ways of sort of looking at those apps and just saying, you know, actually I'm being inspired by what's in season or what's available at this time of year? Yes. So most supermarkets now will have a kind of an in-season section um, which is really fun because often it will present vegetables that you just never would have thought of buying very few people feed asparagus to their kids for example um, but you'd be surprised um, so yes it's a it great will kind of food isn't it yeah so it'll throw that kind of thing up and you can always do a nice sesame dipping sauce or something like that with it can you? yes and often it's easier to just give them a new vegetable with something to dip it in than to try and hide it and they go what are these weird flowery looking long things um so yes something like that and there's actually a recipe in the book for a kind of slightly healthier fondue for exactly that reason so that you can kind of make a white cheesy sauce and just let them have a go at dipping different things in. Yeah, actually, um, fondue is a great idea because that idea that they're sort of cooking, you yeah, know, doing a kind of meat fondue. Yeah, exactly. And what's quite funny is my daughter is sneaky and unhygienic, so she'll kind of she'd get a piece of asparagus and she'd dip it in, she'd lick the white sauce off, she'd put it back in. <laughs> kind of, mm, no, oh well, I suppose we've all shared germs by this point anyway. Um, <laughs> but even then, that is still you know she's still going to get some kind of taste of the asparagus. She's still going to experience the texture on her tongue. She's still going to have held it in her hand. So even if she doesn't actually eat a spear of asparagus, she's still building that relationship. So that could be really fun. Um, another idea you can look in the world foods section because we are (laughs) in this country we are woefully narrow-minded when it comes to what we buy but when you go into the world food section you know you've got polish food caribbean food what you've also got is grains and spices in much bigger bags um so often a lot cheaper and that's where you can pick up lentils you've never tried before canned vegetables you've never tried before and then you know you might only go okay i'm going to buy a can of jackfruit i've absolutely no idea how to use it i'll google maybe i'll put it in some barbecue sauce i don't know but i'm just going to buy it kind of 50p let's see what happens yeah great well i'm really inspired thank you so much for coming along today thank you so your book uh, get your kids to eat anything it's out now available on amazon presumably yes all good bookshops and um if people want to follow you follow your blog what's that it is a mummy two pretty much everywhere so a mummy uk on the blog and then a mummy two on facebook instagram pinterest and that's Twitter. two as in t-o-o t-o-o yes Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming along, Emily. It's been really lovely to chat to you and uh, I'm definitely going to give some of these these recipes a go and hopefully this time next year I might have two very different eaters. Amazing. <laughs> thank you all for downloading another episode of The Parenthood. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us. It really helps boost us in the charts and help other people find us. Day to day you can find out what I'm up to and recording next on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, thanks for listening and from Emily and me, goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.